Welcome. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Living with author and teacher Francois Feinberg. May the message you're about to hear earnestly touch your heart, and may it encourage you in your ongoing love of God the Father, your enjoyment of the Lord Jesus Christ, and your fellowship in both the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ. In John chapter 20, we have a marvelous account where Jesus on the day of resurrection breathes into his disciples the filling of the Holy Spirit. That is, his very own breath from within Christ came forth his essence and his supply, and it came into the disciples, just like in the book of Genesis, when God breathed into Adam for the very first time and he became a living soul. Even so, on the day of resurrection, on that great day of the feast of first fruits, Christ was the one rising from the dead as a first fruit harvest unto God. But later that evening, He would breathe the power of resurrection life, the life that overcame sin and death, the life that paid for it all. The accomplished work of the cross would be breathed from Christ's breath into his disciples. And they would not become living soul because after all, they're already living as human beings, but they would come alive in the resurrection life of Christ. The Zoe, the highest, the uncreated life of Jesus Christ, the victorious, conquering, all-inclusive life of Christ was breathed into them. Well, that inbreathing that took place there in secret in John chapter 20 was just the start of God's economy for the New Testament believer. The reason Christ breathed into them, on the one hand, was for their inward supply. God resurrected them from within. It's as though the fountain was unlocked and the rivers of life began to flow within them in John chapter 20. But we must ask the question, towards what end? Is it just so that I can say, wow, God and I have revival. God and I are getting along fine. I have God within me in a a kind of a mystical way. It's just me and King Jesus. No. In John chapter 20, the Lord breathes the Holy Spirit into them because he has a commission in front of them. And that commission is simply this. As my Father sent me, I am going to send you. And I'm going to release you. And with the inbreathing of the Holy Spirit, this is not just for you, but I'm supplying you and authorizing you and I'm endorsing you to go and bear fruit, to go and live for God, to go testify for God, to join me the way I came from heaven to earth. I am going to release you to live into this earth 
the kingdom of God. So the filling, on the one hand, was to personally become alive. But the filling was also to be a kind of a river that would supply them so that they could work with God and walk with God and bear the testimony of God all over the face of this planet. So the Lord said, I'm going to send you. I have an economy for you. I have a purpose for you. I have work for you. But before you go work, I first need you to be filled. And a part of their work was to go and tell people that their sins are forgiven. Even in John 20, verse 23, whoever sins you forgive, they are forgiven. And whose sins you retain, they are retained. We will look into that in just a moment. But the question is, is God content only when you have the inward filling or does he have something else in store for you? Perhaps an outward clothing, an outward kind of a filling? And the answer to that is yes. In fact, in the New Testament, we see this pattern that The Holy Spirit is almost twofold. He is secret within, but he is also outward, visible, manifest upon a person. It's almost as though on the one hand, the Holy Spirit is a kind of a river within you, but on the other hand, the Holy Spirit is a mantle upon you. And today I want to explore Uh, this dynamic, this twofold aspect of the Holy Spirit, the inward that you desperately need and the outward that we desperately need. Now, you and I can get into two ditches. On the one hand, if we live only by the inward Holy Spirit, you will tend towards the mystical. If, on the other hand, you only live by the power and the the manifestation of the Holy Spirit, and that's all you chase after, in a way you're going to run into the ditch of performance, of works, of legalism, a little bit of show and make pretend, and even some illusionary spirituality that you concoct out of your wild fantasy. Now there's a balance. There's the inward man of God that is mystical, yes, But the man of God should also be practical. The man of God should also be empowered and and have a life with two feet on this ground. It's not just that on the one hand we are seated in the heavens and we are out of touch with reality on earth. No, we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We are one breath with our God. But why are you one breath with him, one heart with him, one mind with him? It's so that you can practically walk for him with two feet here on planet Earth. Let's explore this dichotomy a bit because we need both. I believe we are unbalanced as spiritual men and women of God if we are excessively mystical but yet unrelatable practically. And I believe... We're unbalanced, on the other hand, if we are only in works, only in doing, only in numbers and checklists and striving and even performance, yet we don't have that inward river we're drinking from. So let's dig a little bit deeper and explore both the inward and 
the outward filling of the Holy Spirit. What happened to the day that you got born again? Did you receive the Holy Spirit? It doesn't matter in what secret way you received it, where or when, but you received into you the breath of life. You have to have had an encounter with the reality of God, otherwise you're just religious. God is not going to, by a spirit of religion, have you manifest Him accurately. It's just not going to work. So here, they receive. I'm not sure if they raised their hands, took a knee. It's irrelevant. But something out of Jesus came into their being. And somehow they became filled and satisfied. Is everybody with me? A secret filling. When you're on this mission, here he gives the job description. Remember, the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. Verse 23 is just a job description. Whose sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Whose sins you retain, they're retained. They receive the Spirit of the Lord. And as they go out, They go declare to people, forgiven, forgiven, just accept, forgiven. Go and speak for the Lord. Go and tell them God's heart. Forgiven. Forgiven. That's the mission. Go tell them God's not mad. And some people will reject you. And they'll stay in their sin. Then you just just tell them, you're in your sin. And some people will receive what you say. Then tell them, you're forgiven. I tell you what God's heart is all about, you're free. Oh, you reject all of this? Then stay in your bondage. So in other words, these emissaries that walk out, they take the reality of heaven and they bind it to this earth. Whoever wants it. You want to be forgiven? You want to have peace with God? Then I come and through Jesus Christ I tell you, you can have it. You want to keep running and be rejecting God and a rebel? Then I'm just going to say to you, you're going to stay in anguish, confusion. Wish you all the best. Marvelous mission, eh? Sometimes we just need to tell people, hey, if you want it, you can get it because it's paid for. You can be free from your sin. So something very secret happened here, but I want you to flip back to Luke chapter 24. That tells a story from another perspective. Luke chapter 24, and of course it's there in Acts chapter 1 again. So here's the principle. It appears like There's a secret interaction always, and then a public manifestation. In Matthew uh, 6, we have this um, speaking of the Lord where he says, If you pray in secret, your Father rewards you in 
open. When you give in secret, your Father rewards you in open. When you fast in secret, the Father will reward. It appears like God loves to do something in secret and then something in public. It's almost as though the public depends very much on the secret. Are you with me? So saints, listen here. The Lord says in Luke 24, and look at verse um, 49. And behold, I send forth the promise of my Father upon you. But as for you, Stay in the city until you put on power that comes from above. We know he's talking about the Holy Spirit because in Acts, go to Acts chapter 1 now. That power that comes from on high is related to the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You know this verse. But you shall receive power from on high, from above, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Um, Here's my consternation. In John 20, he breathes upon them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says to them, I need you all to go wait for the Holy Spirit. That's the subject of our discussion now. Did he mean what he said? Was he playing tricks with us? Because now listen, in secret he breathes on them. Then he says, go wait for the Spirit. But here he just told us to receive the Spirit. What's going on? I want to relate that to you. There's a rhythm going on here. First they receive the Spirit of Christ. Then He tells them to wait for the Spirit of the Father. That's why the Holy Spirit is both the Spirit of Christ and the Spirit of God. But when they received the Spirit of Christ, they received something for their nature. Then he says, wait for the Spirit of God the Father for your ministry. I want you to go. I want to send you. I want to use you. But first, receive my nature. Then you'll receive the Father's empowerment. Something has to come inside of you. Then it will come upon you. The secret comes first. Receive the Spirit of Jesus the Christ. That is the Spirit of resurrection. That is the Spirit of a new nature. That is the Spirit of the the essence of the Lord Jesus. Receive that first. And I want you to be my witnesses, but God's Spirit is also going to come upon you. God's Spirit is the Spirit of agenda, the Spirit of mission, the Spirit of ministry, the Spirit of power, the Spirit of capability, 
The spirit of Jesus is the spirit of identity. Secret, public. Do you see that? Okay, so when he did say to them there in John 20, receive the Spirit, yes, they received the Spirit. <gasps> they became alive. They are one with Christ. The person of Christ came into them. Now they are living. His cross, His work, His resurrection is put into them. And now they are free. They're forgiven. They can even tell other people, if you want this, you can have this because God has paid for it. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Because I've been forgiven. It's a reality. Then he says, wait. Stay in the secret place until something very public happens. So, in Acts chapter 2, the public comes. The outward comes. In John 20, the inward for their life, for their identity, for their reality. But then they receive also the spirit of mission, doing, power, ministry. The one is a kind of a drink and a food internally. The other one is a kind of a mantle to empower so saints, if you've had the secret inbreathing of God, then you are a candidate for the outward clothing of God. And I think many of us are content to only have the one, and we try to figure out the rest this way, with muscle. Not only does God want us to have the Spirit within, for the entire mission in front of you, He also wants the Spirit upon you. So that before God, it's an issue of the Spirit. And before men, it's also an issue of the Spirit. In other words, He wants us baptized entirely in the Spirit. For my heavenly interaction, for my earthly manifestation, ministry, work, going, doing, speaking, living. Somehow the Spirit hovering there in Genesis over the entire created world to apply into this world that same Spirit of application, the same Spirit of forming and anointing is still here with us today. That's the Spirit of God. The Spirit that you receive from Jesus is the Spirit that brings into you the humanity of Jesus, the honor of Jesus, the law-keeping of Jesus, the obedience of Jesus, the suffering of Jesus, the cross of Jesus, the temperance of Jesus. When you receive the Spirit of Christ, you receive the Spirit of the human man Jesus. You receive His cross. His death, His acceptance, His enthronement. And it does something in you before the Father, before eternity, before the heavens. Praise the Lord! It's not enough somehow. We just want to get raptured and go live in the heavens. Father God says, no, I need you on this earth. 
It's why so many of us have a conflict living on this earth because we think when you get born again here in the secret place, I need to get raptured, to go live in the heavens, have nothing to do on this earth. And God says, uh-uh, I want you on this earth as it is in heaven. You're seated in your spirit in the heavenlies, fully accepted in the beloved, gifted, forgiven. God wants you now on earth to manifest that reality. So now let's wrap this up. How do you live the Christian life? Practically, also by the Spirit. Also by the Spirit. We don't just get born again by the Spirit and then live it out the way we think. The public life that you and I now live also is accountable to the Spirit of God. So if you're under the Spirit of Christ, you have life. If you're under the Spirit of God, the Father, you have purpose. You have work. You have mission. You're under that spirit. You're under the will of God, the working of God, the power of God. And somehow in God's economy, that is the baptism of the spirit, the within and the upon, the secret and the public. Is everybody with me? So I think so many of us were open to the secret. You know, that's why when we lead people to Jesus, we do ask them to bow their head, close their eyes, tuck your head between your legs. Everybody just get down on the floor, hide under the chair. We're going to accept Jesus. That's probably the way it should be. It's a very secret thing. Maybe. But I think many of us, we just stay there. I had a secret encounter with Jesus. I accepted Jesus. I was in a room. And I received, and I'm so thankful. I just love you, Jesus. But I'm so afraid for the visible living of Jesus. To let the Spirit come upon me to be the Lord's testimony in this earth. We're afraid to speak for Jesus. Afraid to lay hands on people. Afraid to pray for people. Afraid to give. Afraid to just be useful to the Lord. So, so many of us, even though we're born again, we've got nothing to do with the will of God because we're not under the Spirit of God. So, again, the Spirit of Christ works the redemption of Christ into you. But the Spirit of God works the eternal agenda of God into you and upon you. So, people who live for the will of God, they've been baptized in the Spirit of God. So this is practical, saints. We have a story here in the Bible where they're in the upper room and they just receive life. But then they're there in Jerusalem and there is preaching and salvation and demonstration and signs and wonders. God wants it. If you, agree, if you, if you disagree, just keep quiet. <laughs> That's my saying for like, y'all, are you listening? God wants you to have a filling secretly in your prayer closet, but He wants you to have a life coming out of the prayer closet. Come out of the closet. I'm coming out. Paul says, work out your salvation. So I want you to understand a little something of God here. It's not enough to just say, I'm born again, and then live however you want. He also wants your living under the Spirit. Not just like Paul says in Galatians, 
You've started in the spirit. Now you want to live in the flesh? Ludicrous. We start in the spirit. We go on in the spirit. We have the secret encounter with God. We have the public testimony of God. So saints, how do you live the Christian life? You start it in the spirit and you live it in the spirit. Is it your experience that you're constantly for the will of God? You're for the kingdom of God. That's an issue of God the Father being worked into your life. I feel like we miss that part. We just want the spirit of Christ. Forgiveness, justification, righteousness, peace over here. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not going to hell. Thank you, Jesus. But what you need is the very same spirit of God that make you bold. To also declare, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. Come to Jesus of Nazareth. Lord, I'm for your will. I'm for your purpose. You're under the baptism of the Spirit of God just as much as you're under the baptism of the Spirit of Christ. Is everybody with me? How do you live? Self-seeking? Self-willing? Self-analyzing? That means you lack the clothing spirit, the power spirit. You're afraid to pray. You're afraid to speak. Crack open the Bible at the restaurant. Teach. Preach. You're afraid for the spirit to anoint you with giftings. And, but you're supposedly saved. You, why did we receive the spirit? So we can be sent. So the Christian life is not escaping this planet. I think that's the average Christian's theology. We got born again and now we escape. No, you got born again and now you're stuck. It's a good stuck. It's a divine stuck. (laughs) God wants you to be stuck here. He's leaving you here. He's got a purpose for you here. And He has the supply. Have you been baptized in that supply? So most of y'all have made the baptism, the spirit, the issue of speaking in tongues. Again, you've been Pentecostalized. Oh, I think we've missed everything so much. It's the secret that's the personal. It's the clothing for the testimony, however it comes out. Hundreds of different ways. When it relates to us, Acts chapter 2, it was what was needed for that day. But the Spirit of Father God came upon them for a public witness and living empowerment, however it came out. It's irrelevant. It's the power that's relevant. You need that power. You see in the book of Acts, they constantly were filled with that agenda of God, that mission of God, that power of God. And that is my heart for you at Legacy. Here we want you to be filled with the inward drink, river, life, tree. Amen. But that doesn't mean just go live the way you want to live. You also need an external baptism. And y'all need to seek that. And Jesus told the folk here, wait. 
The issue is not waiting. The issue is obedience. I'm going to wait 10 days, then I'm going to be enclosed with power. 10 days. I've got nine days left. Nine days. Eight days. Again, it's not really an issue of time. It's an issue of obedience. They obeyed by the inward spirit because Jesus gave them his spirit of obedience. So they obeyed by his obedient spirit. Is everybody with me? They waited it out for 10 days, but they didn't have really a clue what they were doing. It's like an hour, 10 hours, 50 days. There wasn't a time frame in their mentality. There was just a spirit of obedience. They stayed in obedience. Boom. They were clothed. And I think so many of us, we raised our hands and said, thank you, Jesus, for salvation, but no obedience for manifestation. So you need to come into the spirit of obedience so you can get baptized in the spirit of God, the Father, who works His agenda on you and through you and the giftings on you and through you. Hallelujah. You need both. You need two legs to walk on. A dove has two wings. The inward, the outward. The character, the fruit, the manifestation, the gifts. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit. So saints, obey God, whatever it takes to gain the additional clothing, power. You cannot do it in your flesh. You can't lead people to Jesus with clever speech. You need a power to do that. And God says, I want to give you that power. Does anybody want to receive that?